does good forever guys hit the follow subscribe button share this with someone who would benefit from it and help us grow as the more we grow the better the episodes we'll get thanks guys for helping us and let's get into the episode welcome back to this episode of sculpted today we are going through how to reprogram your brain now i've kind of made a similar episode before talking about why your brain is a computer now i have a similar one in terms of how this will have a lot of science around it and a lot of maybe boring details but maybe it's also interesting so it should be a relatively long one therefore i just want to get straight into it so now reprogramming your brand what does that look like now i've divided it into four main categories i'll go into neuroplasticity the most and habits the most and then i'll touch on mindfulness and um another thing uh mindfulness and cbt which is cognitive brain therapy so uh, neuroplasticity now i'll give you the definition of neuroplasticity and also if you've never watched one of these episodes well, i haven't done one of these in a while um where i'll actually take i go off i'm gonna make reese uh, script you can always say and i am using a lot of researchers a lot of um like studies things like that to base my and so you'll see me reading from here a lot i've got a lot of notes that are written down so it's pretty simple just to get straight um neuroplasticity it's also known as the brain plasticity or neural plasticity it refers to the brain's ability to recognize itself by forming new neural connections throughout life this adaptability allows the brain to adjust its structure and function in response to experience learning and environmental change fundamental property of the brain that enables it to adapt, recover from injury, and continuously learn. Now, there's an interesting one about actually how your brain recovers from injury in terms of the mind-muscle connection. Um, I mean, even, for example, with my most recent injury. If you know about my most recent injury, you know it's not football-related. And one big problem that I had was getting back into playing football and actually being okay with getting hit and that was my own grade to neuroplasticity and i had to rewire myself to that degree as well but that is just a little bit on that and i'll talk about it a little bit later as well so science of rewiring your brain so how neuroplasticity works in reprogramming your brain comes down to learning and experience so when you engage in new activities or require new information neural pathways in the brain are so when I talked about it before, our brains are computers. You've got to imagine it by essentially almost like two ends of the table. And when there is a new input, it goes from one side of the table to the other. And you could just imagine it as like a bolt of electricity lines. And that's a new neural pathway being created or being re-engaged These pathways consist of interconnected neurons that communicate through synapses, forming the basis of your thoughts, behaviors, and skills. Now, synaptic plasticity is neuroplasticity evolving changes at the synapse, the junction between neurons where communication occurs. Synaptic plasticity refers to the ability of synapses to strengthen or weaken over time based on the level of activity. Now, talking about that, I also would imagine 
that is now also i should have um said a lot of this research that i'm doing is just me regurgitating some of these things i want on the start it is just simply me regurgitating so also take this with a grain of salt so that, that's just to say but when you talk to me about the synaptic plasticity and how over time they can either strengthen or weaken based on the level of activity that is muscle memory and that is stimulating or ice in a more simple terms you could say use it or lose it and that's part of what that's talking about with synaptic plasticity now learning and repeated experiences strengthen synaptic actions and making them more efficient and responsive now structural changes neuroplasticity can lead to the structural changes in the brain including alterations in the number and shape of neurons and the density of synapses these changes can occur across the microscopic level for example straight feeding of individual synapses and a microscopic level e.g. changes in the brain region size. Now adaptations challenges. When faced with challenges the brain can rewire itself to adapt and find new solutions. This is particularly evident in cases of brain injury during the or complex tasks. Now when I think about that I would think honestly maybe it's relearning in terms of finding those pathways because it doesn't completely make sets if i was to say if i was to give you something that you've never heard before that was thanked that was then to create a new pathway a new um let's say while that new thing that you've learned has one side exposed to the other that that new pathway right saying here these changes can both occur at the microscopic level or on the macroscopic level and changes in the brain region size. Now, when faced with challenges, the brain can rewire itself to adapt and find new solutions. This is particularly evident in cases of brain injury during the learning of complex tasks. So, evident cases of brain injury. Adaption be challenges. That's interesting. So, essentially, the brain's a very adaptive. And when we talk about muscle memory, that's what we're talking about. And also remembering, which is quite interesting. It's a very unfamiliar kind of thing in the human experience, I'd probably say, unless you're aware of um, neuroplasticity and also the connection that we have between our mind and our bodies. It's, it's a, not a necessarily a common thing that we're aware of but muscle memory is truly real and i struggle to get my head around that because i'll see times where it doesn't work for me and i always think that sometimes i believe that it's a better belief not to have the belief that there is such thing as muscle memory that makes sense um and, and i'll explain why i believe that sometimes i actually help and that's because if you get complacent and you think, oh, muscle memory is a thing, I don't need to be on top of X, Y, and Z because I've done it once in my life and because of muscle memory, I'll be able to, you know, just keep it. But I say use it or lose it. And for me, it's so much. If I don't do it in one day, then I've completely lost it still all of So it is the help. Um, depends who you are. If you, if you can live off a high level of the loser and that you can 
not practice something to then make you get away with it. But for me, I honestly kind of prefer to think that to a degree, the muscle memory doesn't help me to That's kind of irrelevant. Now, the science of rewiring your brain. Now, think of your brain as a dynamic and adaptable highway system. Neural pathways are linked alike roads connecting different regions of the brain. So, now you've got one road starting here, one road ending there, another sub road, and all they're all connecting, and it's a massive highway. Now, with neuroplasticity, these roads can be modified. Some may become wider and more while others may be crude or redirected. Reprogramming your brain is akin to deliberately choosing new routes, navigating unexplored territory, and optimizing the transportation network to reach your destination more effectively. Now, it's kind of similar to an out. Now, maybe you're familiar or unfamiliar with a specific algae that grows and finds the shortest pathway. Now, you may know of the experiments that they did in Japan where they actually put this piece of algae down in all of the major cities of Japan, replicated in like a petri dish. And they put algae, this algae that grows and makes itself as efficient as possible. And they connected all of the algae up because it naturally seeks these other uh, dots of algae or bacteria. And then it then gave that Petri dish, the most efficient route and pathway to connect all of the towns together. Now, what I mean by that is that is actually using these little pathways to find the most effective destination or all pathway. Now, understanding the neuroplasticity allows individuals to potentially shape their brain through experiences, learning, and intentional practice ultimately enhancing their ability to fight and master challenging tasks. Now, when we talk about that in a real-life sense, for me, to a degree, this right now is me learning. Of course, you hope that I know a little bit about what I'm talking about, but at the same time, I am learning as much as you guys are. Now, an example. The study the effects of musical training on structural brain development, a longitudinal study by Pi at Samaksa. This delves into how learning to play a musical instrument can induce structural changes in the brain. Now, if you've ever learned an instrument, you would know how painful it is. And that goes with a lot of other skills. Now, with an instrument, it's a little bit more direct. You probably get that resistance straight away because you're so incompetent. You would start playing with the piano. It's going to take you a long time to even get over the first learning curve. And then you have to learn everything about the music, the notes you have to read, and then you have to be all coordinated. Two hands, it's going to be a massive learning curve for you. And that can be difficult. So you will feel brain straight at some times. Like that's not an easy task to do. Uh, and, and that's where you can start to feel those induced changes in the brain. So actually over time, become less challenging. And those pathways become shorter and more efficient. And that's how it works. Now, there's also a lot of cognitive trading apps. Now, I won't mention the app, but there is an app out there that has a variety of cognitive games designed to stimulate the of your brain. Now, it isn't tied to any specific studies, but I've used it before, and it is 
very cognitive stimu cognitively stimulated. It gives you a lot of memory things, a lot of challenges, just problem solving skills, which I think is very important, honestly. Now, the brain is a dying is a dynamic sculptor. So the brain the book, The Brain That Changes Itself by Norman Doge, explores the concept of neuroplasticity through real life examples and stories. In this talk, Delush uses narratives to illustrate how the brain's ability to rapid to reorganize itself and lead to profound personal transformations. Now, whole message, right, is how to reprogram your brain. I haven't necessarily gone into depth on how neuroplasticity is going to help you reprogram your brain. But what you need to take away from neuroplasticity is the awareness. So just knowing that it's possible through neuroplasticity is good. And knowing that you can become better at something is good. So it's not just completely out of reach, but it starts at a very, very basic level. And that's what neuroplasticity is. It's that start, and it will also be when you get better and better and get more efficient. So it's the whole process in order to be creating these new neural pathways. Now, habits. This is uh, incentivized the way to create these neural pathways essentially. Now, neural pathways and habit formation. Research such as study by Raviel at whenever. Habit formation creates suggests that habits are closely linked to the basal ganglia, a region in the brain associated with reward as habits become ingrained, neural pathways in the basal ganglia strengthen, making the behavior more automatic. Now, that's what habits are all about. It's all about second nature, about not thinking about it and just doing it. Now, you're going to have bad habits that you have that same kind of ability, and then you have good habits. Now, you're probably more aware of the good habits and less aware of the bad habits, but also knowing that they come from a place is also important. Now, the role of dopamine. So dopamine is a neurotransmitter linked to the pleasure and reward system. It plays a crucial role, and studies, including those by Falcone, have highlighted how dopamine releases and reinforces So knowing that dopamine is typically the end result, or and let's say said habit, reverse engineering, and maybe getting rid of the dopamine at a different stage or delaying it how we can start to reprogram. Now, you're probably aware of this type of uh, dopamine reward system in terms of habits if you've read Atomic Habits. That's a brilliant book. I um, can't remember who wrote it. Um, literally, it was just at the top of my head, but anyways, very good book. And I think that anyone listening to the Skull podcast probably has read it, actually. Now, the neurochemical reward system encourages the repetition of behaviors associated with positive outcomes. Impact on brain structure and function. Long-term habituation can lead to structural changes in the brain. For instance, studying the general neuron structural and fictional plasticity of the hippocampal formation demonstrates that habit formation influences the structure of the campus, a region associated with memory and learning. 
These structural changes can impact how the brain processes information and responds to stimuli, reinforcing habitual action. So, reinforcing habitual action. So, when you do a habit, it means that it's habitual action. Reinforcing repetition is typically done through dopamine, but then it becomes something that you're not aware of, and this is in the hippocampus region. And hippocampus region is associated with memory. There's so many different things, and honestly, I would probably suggest you can listen to this, you can become aware of it, but I probably... If you're really into changing and reprogramming your brain, I would probably recommend just listening to, oh, sorry, reading Atomic Habits. It's, you're going to get a lot much, you're going to get a lot more out of reading that than you are from listening to this episode. This could be a bit of awareness for you. Now, start to be Research such as the work of Dr. B.J. Fogg on behavior design suggests that starting with small manageable habits makes them more likely to stick. Consistency is key. Regular, repeated actions help establish strength in neural pathways associated with positive habits. Now, how and I spoke about this before when it comes to even just the flywheel effect. Flywheel effects, to a degree, is habit. Um, it's compound habit. Starting small and being consistent. So I think with Val and I, we had three different little sayings for the flywheel effect. I think it was just start, be consistent, and never stop. Pritchard, those are the three. And that's similar thing habits. Use triggers and cues. Studies like those outlined in the book Power of Habit by Charles Dewey emphasize the importance of identifying triggers or cues that prompt habit forming. Establishing routines type specific cues helps create associations that guide behavior automatically. Now that also goes with habit stack. Now again these are all things covered in um that book. Leverage rewards. Insights from studies on reward-based learning included the work of Schultz indicate that incorporating rewards reinforces positive habits. Celebrate small victories to activate the brain reward system, solidify the connection between the behavior and positive outcome. Now, when it comes to mindfulness as well, being very aware of different habits, behaviors, and sensations is also very important. So, research on mindfulness, such as the studies conducted by Tang, uh, short-term meditation induces white matter changes in the anterior cingulate. cingulate. Highlights the positive impact of intentional awareness on brain structure. Being mindful of your habits to constantly choose positive actions and contribute to rewiring the brain for healthier routines. So, being aware is sometimes a difficult challenge and especially when it's habit because you probably won't be able to identify that it's a habit it's negative as well or maybe maybe you will it's it's typically just dependent on the severity of it so if you're so you've got a very good habit you're probably aware of it you've got a very bad habit you're probably aware of it anything in the middle is maybe a bit more hard to be aware of but being mindful of situations and different habits is starting or achieved through mindfulness and i talk about it a bit later as well now cbt if you heard a little bit about how I use CBT on a regular basis, you'd know how important it is to my life. Now, what is CBT? Cognitive behavioral therapy. I said brain therapy. Um, 
Now, also, the reason why I don't know much about it explicitly is because I did it before I knew what it was, if that makes sense. I didn't realize that I was doing it explicitly until I researched a bit about it and I realized, oh, that's actually what I've been doing. Also, I just realized my face is absolutely red. It's so worthy of it. And I had a game this morning. So I was in the sun as, yeah, it's been 41 degrees yesterday and around 35 degrees today. So it's been very hot. Uh, that was completely off topic, but back to CBT. A widely used therapeutic approach that focuses on the relationship between the thoughts, feelings, and behaviors developed by Aaron T. Beck. CBT is rooted in the idea that our thoughts influence our emotions and in turn our emotions impact our behaviors. By identifying and changing negative thought patterns and behaviors, individuals can develop healthier and mental well-being now where this comes into more of a understanding uh to what cbt is imagine your mind is a garden with different types of plants representing your thoughts some thoughts are like vibrant flowers bringing joy and positivity whilst others are like weeds causing distress and negativity cbt acts as a stored garden to your mental garden essentially what you're doing is with those weeds, you're then able to then turn them into beautiful flowers. So you're rewiring that. And that's what I really like CVT. I guess that's how I utilize it as well. And that's why I like Key components of CVT is cognitive restructuring. Identifying and challenging negative thought patterns, promote positive thinking. Behavioral activation, encouraging engagement in positive and rewarding activities to counteract negative emotions. Exposure therapy, gradual exposure to anxiety-inducing situations to desensitize and reduce fear. Mindfulness incorporated practices to increase awareness of the present moment and manage stress. Now, when it comes to the first steps, I would just say writing down. Now, I used to write down in my notes a lot of the time about any thought that came up. I would just start writing it down. I remember the day that I literally just started trying it. So I would CBFC morning training walk to school about 30 minutes after online it would always be racing about the training session thinking about it and i just realized that during a training session my mind was just racing i have all these negative thoughts how do i get rid of it and i don't have to research at the time and bear in mind i'm only around 15 um and i realized like okay, i just got to stop being aware of my thoughts seeing where my thoughts go observing every time that i had a thought after trading, I'd be able to remember it and write it down in my uh, notes on my phone. And I was just walking back to school after trading, and uh, my trading ground was right next to my school, by the way. So it took me like 30 minutes to walk, but I would just write that down and I'd start to get that aware. And then I started using CBT, but originally I didn't need to use CBT because I didn't even know what my thoughts were. I didn't even know where those patterns were. Now, my thoughts. Stress reduction, enhancing cognitive performance. Okay. From my thoughts. Imagine your mind is pond. Thoughts like ripples serve the surface. So imagine you're at a clear little pond and your thought to those little ripples in the pond. They're standing top the surface, right? Mindfulness acts as a gentle breeze harming the waters. So you've got those little ripples, little ripples, little ripples, gentle breeze harming. On becomes clearer, your cognitive performance improves, and the depths of your consciousness become more accessible. The key components of mindfulness practice is attention regulation. 
Uh, my force enhances the ability to stun, attach it, and resist distraction. It's vital for cognitive performance. Now, emotional regulation. By fostering non-judgmental awareness, mindfulness helps manage emotional reactions. Talk to sorry, if you listen to my episode on uh, emotion, you would have known about how I used meditation technique, which was observing things, so just being things, not putting a name on them, just originally you start off by naming camera, light, monitor, computer, iPad. Light, light, table, finding a one up. Then you switch and you look at things and better put names. And you're just looking, just looking, not getting names. And this is training you to look at things for just being things. Your thoughts and your words do not have to dictate what you do. If I'm saying, Nick, Drink water, drink water, drink water. I've got the water just here. Drink the water, drink the water, drink the water, drink the water. I don't have to do it. I don't have to do it. Your actions and your thoughts set. They don't have to be. They can be. Just like now, drink the water. Look. Because I was thirsty, and that was an excuse to drink water. Sometimes I don't have to. They don't have to be in Now, brain plasticity. Scientific evidence suggests that mindfulness practice practices contribute to the neuroplasticity changes, optimizing brain structure and function. Emotional regulation. Mindfulness encourages not judgmental awareness of thoughts. This awareness allows individuals to observe their emotional responses without becoming overwhelmed. In mindfulness, individuals can learn to regulate their emotions more effectively, fostering a more positive and adaptive emotional state. Attention and concentration. Mindfulness practices such as attention on the breath or present moment sensations enhance attentional control. This heightened attentional capacity positively influences cognitive functions like memory, problem solving, Now, those are all things that I think that I've actually really improved on in the last few years. Whether it's down to mindfulness explicitly I can't say but I do use mindfulness before I go to bed less and less at the moment um just because I have new things that I'm trying when I go to bed but it's something that I know has worked for me in the past and I'm like that because I don't know it's why I'm doing it at the moment it's working mindfulness was for now that's actually it it's probably not as long as I thought um Think we're at around 20, 26, but essentially, when it comes to reprogramming your brain, neuroplasticity is the ecosystem. Habits would sensitize you, and the CBT will help you form, let's say, bad habits into good. And the awareness will actually allow you to see what those bad habits are. Now you've reprogrammed your brain. But the most important thing is, is the awareness. If you don't know what your bad habits are, what do you reprogram? If you only know the good, then what do you reprogram? Why reprogram? 
You have to have that. Everyone's got that. I've got that. You've got that. You have to have your awareness to know what the value is. You have to know that it's possible to change. And that comes through CBT, awareness, habits, neuroplasticity. All that, right? Now, I hope that wasn't too much for you. Probably a shorter episode than I actually imagined. I'm okay with that. Um, I hope that you learned something. I would say, if you're interested in things like this a little bit more, I would read um, Atomic Habits. Atomic Habits. I think it's James Clear. Yep, James Clear. I remember that was one of the emails. Recently, I did know. I remember it said it was like, thought about it. Um, um, anyways, tell me how if I'd recommend reading that. I'd say a lot of people probably had to listening to this podcast right now, definitely a lot more on that. Um, anyways, I hope that you enjoyed this episode, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Also, by this episode being out, we should be almost out. I don't know how, but we shot up like six subscribers um in like one day i think so thank you for whoever did that and hopefully we're on our way to 100 subscribers for 100 episodes by the end of 2023 so guys if you haven't subscribed already please subscribe and do support it because um yeah it's been our best month for the whole time that we've done the podcast, even since the beginning but the beginning was our biggest spike and it was hard to get back up to the level, but we're we're back to there now, and we're actually higher than ever. Um, so yeah, we're right. We're doing we're doing well. We're doing well for for our size, and continue to grow. So guys, I want to bring you more and more of this stuff, content, more and more educational stuff, and um, help you sculpt yourselves every single day. So guys, I'll catch you.